and welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is, of course, Eddie Cohn. I am thrilled to welcome my friend, Dr. Gerald Miniti, to the show. He's a plastic surgeon here in Los Angeles, and I actually had him on the show a good year and a half ago. He was one of my first guests, so last time he was here, we kind of were just having a good time and talking about yoga and uh, Instagram, and so now we sort of have this chaos happening right now, and I wanted to get his perspective on what's going on, how his practice is affected, and I want to be clear about something here before we listen to the conversation. First of all, remember, if you dig the show, please head over to iTunes. It seems very small, but that kind of stuff really matters. Head over to iTunes, write a review, give the show a five-star, I am teaching all my yoga classes now online on YouTube. So if you want to get in on that, message me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn, and I'll give you all the details. You can also support my show at my Patreon, patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. You could send a donation to Venmo at Eddie Cohn. All this stuff, recording, editing, takes a lot of time, so any support is amazing. Or just share the show with your friends let people know about it. So back to my point, I I know if you listen to my podcast, you think that I potentially don't think the coronavirus is a big deal. And I don't want to necessarily give you the wrong idea. I, I do believe there is a coronavirus. I do believe it's contagious. I just question our reaction and the way our country is completely shut down without really asking any questions or having any pushback. It just feels as though we all just embrace what the media, what our superiors, our leaders, our politicians just sort of share out to us on certain platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. We just basically accept it without questioning it, without questioning it. And I'm merely raising questions. Of course, yes, I do think it is a bit strange that this pandemic, this uh, this pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, this virus has struck during election season. I think it is strange that I realize Italy has had a lot of infections, but you know, Italy and China do have a strange relationship. And there are a lot of Chinese that do live in Northern Italy. There are direct flights that go from Wuhan to Northern Italy I do find it strange the way politicians have basically just demanded that we stay home. It's just a perplexing situation. And I I felt it was important to have a doctor's perspective also, because I want to allow you to hear somebody else's viewpoint on how he's taking this situation. And I think Dr. Maniti or Gerald is taking the situation more seriously than I am. Not that I'm not, but I, you know, he reads more medical journals than I do. He's more on the inside track than I am. Uh, And I'm not some conspiracy theorist. You know, I've always been somebody who questions, I don't want to even say authority, but just questions the world around me and, and 
wants other people to not just take things at face value. I think it's really important now more than ever to create your own point of view and not just think what everybody else is thinking. And I do think social media and technology is creating a world where everybody's basically thinking or behaving the same. I wanted to have Gerald back on my show and talk to him about how the coronavirus is impacting his life, his practice, and he's definitely taking it very seriously. He's closed his practice, just like most doctor's offices out here in LA. I wanted to talk to him, and he's a great guy. Again, he's a plastic surgeon here in Beverly Hills. And I think this is also, last point, this is also a sign of how fast this story is moving. Somewhere in the podcast I mentioned, you know, and this was recorded about five days ago, about 200 people have passed away from the coronavirus. Obviously, that number has increased since the time Gerald and I spoke to each other. I think it's hovering between three to 400 now. Again, the numbers in the scheme of things, I still believe are pretty small to warrant closing our entire country down. But obviously, I'm wishing all of you great health. And, and you know, as a germaphobe, many of the practices that the medical field is asking you to practice, like washing your hands, don't shake people's hands, stay six feet away, don't touch doorknobs, uh, maybe wear a mask on airplanes. You know, a lot of these things I already did. So maybe we should use this time to, maybe it's a reminder just to actually wash your hands and don't touch doorknobs and don't shake people's hands. So anyway, I really appreciate Dr. Gerald Maniti or Gerald being a part of my show for the second time. As always, I really appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to the show, being a part of the show. Again, remember, head over to iTunes, write a review, give it a five-star, message me on Instagram, and that's it. As always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Gosh, last time I saw you, we were, yeah. you know, we were talking about, you know, yoga and beach and hanging out and going to, to uh, gosh, where the hell were you going at um, trips? Uh, was, was I going to Dubai? Or? Yeah, Dubai. And, yeah, and, yeah. And now it's like uh, the, the end of the world. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, it's crazy right now. Uh, I have got two adult children and they're home right now. They're uh, 20 and 23. And they're watching some movie from the 90s uh, about a viral outbreak with, uh, you know, where everybody's dying. I, I, I can't I, off the top of my head. I can't remember the name of the, the movie. But and they just finished watching Parasite, which is a brand new movie about yes. infection. So we're, we're in that infectious, you know, apocalyptic, infectious movie spree right now. Why not? You know, Cause I, it I, seems like real life. I took I took off my mask just so we could have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm very conflicted here. I yeah. and I, I know you're not an infectious disease doctor, but I, I want to start off by saying just how has your practice changed? Yeah. How has your practice changed in the last ten days? Well, a good good question. Um, before there were were city, county, uh, and state mandates, which are all uh, all have gone in effect. Uh, Right up until last uh, yesterday afternoon, we were just kind of winging it. You know, we were asking people not to come into the office. 
if they had a fever or had a cough. We were fortunate because the landlord of the building I'm in uh, was very quick to uh, use the house services to constantly go around. Literally, he spent his entire day for five days a week with a uh, a, a bottle of like a Clorox type of, of sanitizer. Very high. Actually, it's not Clorox. It's even stronger at killing germs. And all he did was wipe down door handles uh, uh, in the hallways, inside, and he'd come in everybody's office. I saw him two, three times a day. He was wiping down all our handles inside the office. And that's what life was like before the first honestly reasonable mandate came down because to be truthful what we were doing was not helpful you're right i'm not an infectious disease expert i'm a plastic surgeon uh but my some of my hobbies are uh, include reading two journals that that uh, try and keep me in touch with other aspects of medicine the new england journal of medicine and the journal of the american medical association jama so i have been up to date with regards to uh, what not what you see in in social media or even in responsible press, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, actually uh, from the horse's mouth, from those two scientific journals, and and I can tell you that what we were doing was completely ineffective. Uh, you can't you can't stop the spread of a contagion like this particular virus by simply uh, wiping down surfaces. Uh, you really need to. You need to stop interaction, human to human interaction. That's the only way uh, we're going to get a handle uh, on the spread of the infection. The mandates came down through the Beverly Hills uh, earlier this week, and then finally the state of California last night. Uh, we had already put it into effect. We sort of ramped down throughout the week. Um, I did my last surgery on Wednesday and uh, no patients except urgent patients since Wednesday. Future surgeries all next week and the following week are canceled. And that, you know, it's unfortunate, but what we really need to do is is take responsibility uh, because although this is a huge, huge financial toll for every single person, every single business, and, and, the, and all the state, city, state, and federal governments, uh, it's only going to be worse if we don't do this. And I don't want to get into the, the politics of it, yeah. what happened and whether or not we could have been better prepared. We, of course, we could have been better prepared. But and that's I think that's the learning lesson going forward. We need to have uh, measures taken so that that when something like this happens again, and it will. And again, oh, yeah, there's a there's a virus um, right now. I forget what it's called, where deer are getting really, really sick and they're eating. Right. What's it called? Right. And so we don't. And so you see what happens is um, it takes about it takes about um, a million years for D- our DNA or in, in that neighborhood to change one percent. It takes a few days for a virus to have one percent of its DNA change. Hmm. So, yeah. So what we're and, and so when when human as we, we we populate the world greater as our population balloons and we start pressing into areas that were once just for other animals and wildlife, we're, we're going to end up crossing over and having viruses and other contagions cross over from animals to humans. And because we're so close together, that mutation manages to get into our population and then it's, and it's off and running. And we've seen that over and over and over again.
Let me, a couple things I'm thinking. First of all, I want your landlord to be my personal assistant so he can basically just wipe down every possible. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) So here's, this is where I'm struggling. I, 200 people have died in the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, approximation here. Yeah, yeah. This this reaction, though, to me, is as if 200 people are dying a day, or maybe I'm just naive here. Mm-hmm. I, I just I am I am really struggling with this incredible response, and I don't know if we're ever going to actually not even just financially and culturally, but even just interpersonally. I mean, I was at Trader Joe's today, and and the mm-hmm. and the fear is just like bubbling you can feel it and i don't know if if we're and people will say well human beings are strong and we'll, right. we have a lot of resolve but i, right. I to me the response is I, am i naive here i don't know well well are, are you suggesting that the, well you said there are 200 people that died are you suggesting that that doesn't seem like a lot to justify the country basically being shut down when, you know, mm-hmm. 60 to 70,000 people died from the flu a couple years ago. Right. I just, I, and I know this is a contagious virus, but the numbers in Italy, I believe, are where they're at because people there are really old and, mm-hmm. they, and they don't take care of themselves health-wise. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, and then when I see what's happening with our culture, I just I don't know if they go hand in hand with what's really going on. A couple of things we need to talk about. Number one, uh, with, with with regards to Italy and why they're so far uh, advanced in terms of the number of cases uh, of infected pa- patients, as well as the number of ca- cases that have died, their death, their mortality rate is at seven percent, which is seventy mm. times normal. Uh, flu virus. Hmm. Okay, that is high. Uh, yes. So let's put that in. But there, that, theirs is also a very high uh, mortality rate. Uh, mortality rates in other locations are uh, down around two or even one percent, and in some other areas, three or four percent. So, and it, it's a matter of time because in order to calculate mortality rate, uh, you have to know uh, obviously how many people died, and that's an easy thing to figure out. Hmm. What's the hard part is the denominator, the lower number, which is the number of people infected. And you don't know that unless you have good tests. Otherwise, the only way you're going to know that that how many people are infected are the number of people that present sick, which is less than the number of people infected. Uh, And so that's something that is going to have a a negative effect in terms of increasing the apparent mortality rate. However, it is clear that this virus uh, probably does when we when it all shakes out and we have the numbers later and we can do a little Monday morning quarterbacking. It is likely based on what the the medical community is telling me. This is not uh, media. This is not social media. This is not some government official. Uh, this is what the uh, the doctors who are at the front lines, who are academic physicians and write in the journals, they seem to think that the mortality rate is probably going to be substantially greater than 0.1% or 0.3%. And those two numbers uh, have meaning because that's the typical mortality rate of seasonal flu. Uh, they, they're thinking it's going to be at least one order bigger, uh, in other words, 10 to 30% uh, or 1% to 3%. Uh, which is 10 times the, the, the typical flu and maybe larger, could be uh, uh, even greater. So why does uh, Italy have so many cases? And it, ha- it has to do with the fact that, especially in northern Italy, 
they really have a very strong uh, uh, professional and business interlock integration with China. Mm. Uh, apparently, within northern Italy alone, there's a, a third of a million native Chinese people. They're not even Italians. They just are Chinese that happen to live and work in, in northern Italy. And they go back and forth between Italy and China all the time. And that's why that became such a hot spot. In terms of, of why this country, or if you want to even, let's not even talk about this country because the federal government quite, without getting too political, uh, you know, really tried to squash this thing and make little, uh, little of it, when in fact uh, it is severe. Uh, when you look at the city of Los Angeles uh, and the state of California, and they have been looking to the epidemiological experts that are not in the government. They're looking at, once again, university-based physicians who are uh, treating this and are in communication with other physicians around the world. What it looks like right now is that if we don't do something uh, as severe as what we're being doing, what we're doing right now, that we're going to look a lot like Italy, except much greater because there's so many more people here than mm. in Italy. Yeah. But we're looking at an enormous number of people infected with a high rate of death that is going to overcome our ability to treat them. One of the things we worry about are supplies. Uh, and of, of course, supplies can be as small as just gauze uh, um, and uh, needles and syringes, or they can be as, uh, as complex and expensive as a ventilator. Uh, and one of the things that we're looking at right now, we know how many ventilators we have in hospitals across the country. And based on the numbers and, and the math that they're doing is we're not going to have enough ventilators mm. if we don't do something severe. And that's why we're in this situation. It seems out of proportion. It seems as though there's just so not so many people that are dying. That is our perception uh, from the outside looking in and when and not everybody has the uh, a benefit that I have of being able to look in and, and really see see what what people are talking about who are who are actually uh, important and, and and experts in 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 this in this realm I'm not one I'm just I'm just a physician that has access to the journals and I can tell you that this is this is uh, appropriate measures we need to we need to sh shut down the shop and we need to stay away from each other and we need to take it very seriously because remember you and I may be young and we know this virus doesn't harm young people except of course if you have a medical condition and then we know even in the age group 20 to 44 people are going to the hospital and getting on vents even those young people because they have other underlying medical conditions so it's not just about us and taking care of us and we may feel invincible because we're young and healthy and we have no underlying medical conditions, but we are a vector that can transmit this virus to somebody that isn't as lucky as us. And that's where the problem comes in. Well, um, it's, and, you know, we're laughing. The women are laughing because their hairstylists are closing down. <laughs> their colorists are closing down. We're going to have root, dark roots showing or gray roots <laughs> showing any minute. Our nails are going to look terrible. Uh, but what we're going to do in the end is, is, is diminish the enormous burden of, of not only human um, misery and death, but financially, this is going to be very burdensome. It's like a war. Yeah, it feels that way. I, and yeah. I, I, I really appreciated This is the an issue that I have, and I appreciated an Instagram post that you posted maybe a week ago. Oh, if, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. go on to, not you, Gerald, but if yeah. one goes on to the New York Times and just sees the headlines, you're going to freak out. If you watch Fauci uh, speak for like 10, 15 minutes, you're going to think that, you know, we're going to all die tomorrow. 
And I don't see a lot of people out there giving useful information. And you actually gave useful information about symptoms, how this is different from a cold or a flu. Can you go? And I was for the first I felt like for the first time I actually saw something that was going to be helpful. Right. Uh, So can you just really briefly say those? I mean, I don't know if you have them memorized, but. Well, not completely. Uh, But uh, I think the bottom line is, even though we have this coronavirus going around, that doesn't mean that you can't catch a cold, Mm, regular cold, or even a regular old flu. They're still there, too, and they will be infecting people. And so uh, it's kind of nice to have a breakdown. Uh, One of the things that we have to be careful about is um, sort of dispersing this sort of information, because uh, we are not medical professionals, and and even doctors shouldn't be doctoring themselves. Hmm. However, it's good to know some interesting little quirks about this particular, uh, the COVID-19, that is, uh, compared to a flu or cold. And as I mentioned in my post, uh, it seems as though the two most important symptoms that would indicate that you may, not necessarily definitely, may have COVID-19 infection is a cough, a dry one, and a fever. Those are the two most uh, frequent uh, symptoms. Now, does that mean if you uh, just had a fever and a runny nose that you don't have COVID-19? No, that doesn't Hmm. necessarily mean that. It means it's probably, it's less likely. And so, what it, and, and so it just sort of points out to people, you know, what what are the symptoms and how do they differentiate from others? And so that's good. But now that we've this my post, quite frankly, is almost irrelevant because at this point you we shouldn't be, if you know, if you whatever your symptoms are, you, it doesn't really matter anymore because th- that was a good post when we were all going around and mm. going into stores and interacting. Right. Uh, no, well, I've got a cough and a, and, a, and, a, and a fever. I probably should stay home. Well, now, of course, you need to stay home whether or not you have symptoms or not. <laughs> yes. So you've, uh, you've actually quarantined yourself into a closet in your place. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So these are, you know, these are important things that that was a, a nice little, um, you know, people do worry. And, and if you have like diarrhea, you probably don't have COVID-19. You probably have just some other intestinal flu. Right. Uh, uh, or if you have a runny nose, you probably don't have COVID-19. Right now, quite frankly, it's irrelevant. We all just have to, whether we feel perfect or we have symptoms, whatever those symptoms are, uh, you need to stay home. Now, of course, if you do have a fever and you do have a cough and you don't feel like you're well, that doesn't mean you should stay home. You should probably, you know, uh, get tested. The problem, and, though, right now is, is that I and I spoke to somebody else. You can't really just call your doctor and be like, hey, I feel this way. I mean, I think there's some sort of protocol that you, you've got to go to a specific place to get tested, right? Well, yeah. And, and what hospitals are doing, like uh, the UCLA Medical Center, uh, Ronald Reagan Medical Center, is they have a they have a whole tent city set up mm. for people coming in who have symptoms. And that way they don't even enter the building. It's, it, they enter a tent in an area and and they're admitted there and they're tested there. And, and based on their, their evaluation, they're either sent home or they're hospitalized. Well, that's good. No, that's good to know because I... 
got the impression that you, again, I didn't know that you can't just call up your internist and be, you know, like your internist is closed. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. So they, yeah, they pretty much are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah they're closed. I mean, they're, they're open, but they're closed. You just, you know, if there's any, unless you're very sick, they don't want you to, to come to the, to their office. And I, and I, and some, I assume don't want anybody. If you're very sick, they just say, go to the ER. Last point, and I'll let you go. Um, I know you love to work out. Do you have a gym at home, or because that has been really challenging yeah. for me? I, I basically work out almost every day, and, and I have a right. lot of. It's just has that been a challenge for you, or what's been the biggest challenge for you? So you know, um, as you know, I've, I've been doing these frequent trips to to Dubai, and I spend seven days in Dubai. I kind of developed a, a yoga practice that I do every morning. And so I, I've just started doing that here at home. Uh, and then what I, and because I have a little more time on my hands now <laughs> than I, than I do in Dubai, uh, I do a second practice where I do like calisthenics and things. So I, I do a twice a day, uh, practice one yoga, one, uh, one more calisthenics based. I have that sort of, uh, toothbrush mentality, which is I got to brush my teeth. I don't think about it. I go into the bathroom and I brush my teeth right. and I do that with my yoga. I don't think about it. I get out of bed in the morning and I get it down on the floor and I start stretching and I start working into a, a 20 or 30 minute yoga practice. And I don't think about it. It's not like, well, should I do this today? No, I just get out of bed, get on the floor and start. Are your last thing I'm just thinking, are your kids kind of nervous about this or what do you, are they, is this surreal or? Yeah, I think they're both, you know, right now as we speak, they're watching some movie. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah, so I think for them it's kind of a little surreal. Um, they're both uh, not very – they're like myself. They, they, they don't really tend to panic about things um, even when things get a little crazy. Uh, so I think they're, 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 pre- they're handling it pretty well. Yeah, they're not scared. Yeah. Uh, they still have a good sense of humor, you know, which is always great. You can joke about things. Oh, I knew one thing I wanted to mention to you, and then I'll let you go. The one you did bring up the media, though, and oh yeah, I was annoyed though when and maybe again, tell me it's not that I'm wrong, but maybe you just don't agree with me. But when the governor comes on television and says half of Californians are going to get this, mm-hmm. I don't. I just I find that to be irresponsible because we don't know that. But again, I just right. feel like that's scary well, to hear. It would be irresponsible if it wasn't based in data. Hmm. So it's already been, I think, at least three weeks since I read a quickly published article in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, by an epidemiologist that was looking already at the at the rapid spread throughout uh, uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, and at that time, it was just starting in Italy. It was another hot spot. They were looking at uh, at the numbers. These are co- rather complex mathematical calculations that are beyond me. Hmm. Uh, so I really can't explain them very well. But they, they look at uh, exponential growth and and growing c- growth curves and things of that nature. And they look at um, individual cases. How you know? They, it's almost like. Imagine if you were a, a, a detective looking at a crime scene. Well, now you multiply that crime scene by everybody that has mm. gotten the disease. And so you've got, you've got 
and the detectives are the doctors at the hospitals or or whoever are are serving these these people right and they quickly transmit data uh and and so they have a lot of numbers to work with it, it's been almost a month since one epidemiologist wrote look 30 to 70 percent of the whole world is going to be infected by this mm. coronavirus and based on on certain growth characteristics and when gavin newsom the, the governor of california said yesterday that at least 50 percent of the population that was based in mathematical data that was not uh, 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 just some squishy number he decided to invent out of the top of his head. What we want to do is not is prevent 50% of California or uh, or what is it 20 million people mm -hmm. uh, from getting infected. Uh, we want to have that to be much less, and so that's why uh, he said he you know that that was based on estimates. If we didn't do what we did in the last week, which is basically shut everything down, and become it's a real number. It's not just. Uh, hyperbole. It's yeah. not just something to scare p people. I think, you know, believe it or not, um, one of the things that I think uh, George W. Bush did very right after immediately after 9-11, uh, he had a t his his principle was uh, be first, be right. Hmm. Uh, and don't and 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 even if that means saying things that might potentially be scary. Now, obviously, you don't want to cause mass hysteria because that's very easy to happen. We've already seen it, right. uh, you know, in the grocery stores. But I think it's responsible for him to to explain uh, the fact why we're basically getting very close to what seems like martial law. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's to flatten the curve and it's to prevent the outcome of 50% of Californians getting this virus. Well, um, I've got 652 rolls of toilet paper in my other bedroom. So um, if, if anybody out there has issues, just DM me on Instagram. I'm selling. You're selling, how much is it per roll? Well, last week, because of what was going on, I was selling it for 185 This week it's gone down, it's only 125 Okay, cool. <laughs> That's good to know. And that's that's one hundred and twenty-five dollars. No, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that that price can change tomorrow. You never know. So get them while it's hot. It's always fluctuating. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a special on Purell, but uh well I'll let you go. I know you're busy, but well okay. once I get them in on the toilet paper, then I spring them with the with the Purell. That's right. There you go. Good. <laughs> Gerald, you've always had this very calm demeanor no matter what's going on. And I, 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 you're, you've been like my Xanax tonight. So I appreciate oh, good. it. Yeah. I'm glad. Because <laughs> I have the tendency to freak out. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm here to, to help people out. I don't want to freak people out. Yeah. And I think if we just um, stay calm uh, and, and think, you know, common sense, you know, mm. when I look back just really quickly, I'm going to, I know we knew, we're going to say goodbye, yeah. but when I think about what I was doing in my office, it, it, it really was, that was, um, that was bullshit. Mm. I was, I was cleaning the surfaces and, and, and thinking that was going to be okay because it was unimaginable for me to close my business down. But the reality is that wasn't common sense. You know, we all know you get, you get next to somebody that has a contagious virus. You're probably going to get it no matter what you do. So the trick is, Get getting us separated from each other. So, you know, it's it, it, it. We just have to use common sense, and um, uh, and and if we do that, uh, we're probably going to do just fine. Uh, try not to freak out. It's going to be a couple weeks um, uh, before things, and maybe even a month before things get back to normal. Yeah. Uh, try not to eat too much food. Try to do a little home home exercise. Don't freak out. 
um, and um, hopefully everybody will, will remain safe. Well, as a germaphobe, I'm happy to see the rest of the world is implementing practices that I've been using for that many years. you've been years. using all along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Social distancing. That's what I do all the time. This is no different. I never shake people's hands. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gerald, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know even though you're not like fully in practice right now, I'm sure you're getting calls from people that are like very anxious about what's going on. So I appreciate you oh, talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. on the phone all day with patients. <laughs> yeah. Either ones that have had surgery or ones that want to have surgery. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a little while. Cool. Uh, but it'll all shake out. I really appreciate you talking. Have a have a great night. Thanks, Eddie. Nice talking to you. I had a fun time. Likewise. Good night. <laughs>